Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hope you guys are doing so well, and I don't know what your life is like at the moment. I don't know what you're believing for in your worlds right now, but I know that you know, everybody's believing for something. We're all hoping for something to happen uh, in our lives. I actually just heard recently that there was a pastor who said that his hope in this season, amidst all of the goals that people are having, you know, the, the ISO goals, making sure that you come out with a skill, his big dream and what he was hoping for was that he would stay married and not eat his children. And I guess, you know, that makes sense. You know, you, you got to have goals, you know, you, you want to do well in any season that you're in. But I think what's funny to me is how when we go into different seasons, they kind of shape our expectations. You know, like sometimes whatever season we're in, we just kind of like lower the bar. We lower it in the seasons that we're in. And, you know, for me, like just going through the last couple of months, I'm telling you, my prayers have changed. My prayer life is a little bit different. I remember at the very beginning of all of the craziness that we're going through, like my prayers in the past have been about big things and God, I want you to do this and shift this and change that. Now I was praying like, Dear Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, God, that you would just allow there to be some toilet paper in aisle 12. Jesus, I'm praying for the presence of your Spirit to reserve some pasta. That's all I want. I just want pasta. Lord, let there be some spiral pasta in aisle six. You know, I can't believe how our prayers begin to shift depending on the seasons that we're in. I mean, I've had my kids working out of my office and my big prayers were things like, God, I'm praying, go to Officeworks right now. While you're with me, Jesus, I'm praying that the Spirit of God would reserve a desk at Officeworks. God, don't let them sell out. Hold one for me, reserve it for me. Let me buy them something so that they're not working off of their laps. You know, like this is crazy. And I'm just thinking about how sometimes, you know, depending on the season that we're in, It just shifts our prayer life. It just kind of changes the way that we pray. I mean, some of the things that we prayed for, they're happening right now. So the good news, I guess, is that the AFL is coming back and and that started. So that's exciting. I'm praying for the NBA to just start soon. and, And I'm praying in Jesus' name that Golden State will just even make it close to the playoffs this season. I mean, that would be so nice if we could do that. But you know, we're all praying for something. I mean, everyone's just believing for something. And I want to preach a message to you guys today called, I believe. I believe. Some seasons just really do lower your expectations. Like when you started praying, you know, before all of this craziness, maybe your prayers were like big prayers. But now that we're into this season a little way, I don't know about anyone else, but it's sometimes it's easy to just lower your prayer. Like you're just starting to think, come on, let's just, let's just pray a little safer. Ellie, just a little safer than what we used to say. You know, like, let's just lower the bar for God a little bit. Come on, we don't really want to stretch Him too far in this season. Let's make things a little bit easier for Him. Like, God, could you just, I just want a car park out the front of Coles. I mean, God, if you could just answer that prayer, that would be so good. And, and you just lower your prayers a little bit. And 
This is how you know that your circumstances are really talking to you. I've learned that every season has a voice. And sometimes that voice really talks to us and it tries to convince us that maybe we should shift what we're asking for because of the season that we're in. And I don't, I don't know what season you're personally going through right now because some of us are going through different stuff. But, you know, I wonder what circumstance is talking to you. I wonder what it's trying to convince you of right now. Like for some people, maybe the thing that they're praying for is they're saying, God, I'm just praying that my marriage will last. You know, like maybe at the very beginning of your marriage, your prayer was, God, I'm asking for a strong marriage. Give us the best marriage. I pray, God, that our marriage would be a shining example to everyone else. But now that you're here and your season has shifted, and things are looking a little bit different for you in your relationship with your spouse, your prayer has gone from, God, give us the best marriage to, God, just hold us together. God, just keep us together. Maybe one time you were praying, God, give me the most successful business. I pray, God, that our business employs, you know, hundreds of people and help us to, to meet with success and, you know, supply to the kingdom, God, finance and resource. And that was your prayer at one time. But now, well, now your season is talking to you and, you, and your prayers have shifted and you lowered the bar a little bit. And instead of saying to God, I'm praying for a financially stable business that supplies the needs of the kingdom. Now, now, now your prayer is totally different. Like now you, you're saying things like, God, I pray we don't go under. Like, Lord, just keep the business together, you know? God, I pray in Jesus' name that I'd be able to bench press 120 kilos. I, that's what I would love to do. But now you're like, Lord, I just totally settle for being healthy. Like, I, I, I want to make it easy. Like, let's just bring things down a little bit because your season is talking to you. At one point, you wanted to be financially stable and strong and, and hold a good position. And now you're like, God, if I could just meet this next bill, if I could just pay this next bill, if I could just make my next mortgage payment, then, then God, I would just settle for that. And I don't know what your circumstance is saying to you at the moment, but I know this for certain that your circumstances can sometimes start to dictate to you what your prayer life is like. It starts to speak to you and, and shifts what your prayers are really like. And see, what I think is that faith is really all about expectancy. Isn't that, isn't that what it is? It's like when it comes to faith, it's all about what you're expecting. Like, I believe. We, sometimes we could replace the word faith with the word trust. God, I trust that this will happen or I trust that you will answer. And, and so faith has so much to do with expectancy. But if you don't start to see what God can do, then you start to expect less and less. And, and the bad part about that is you'll never ask for what you can't see God could do. You don't pray that prayer because we're supposed to be people that walk by faith and not by sight. But sometimes our sight 
will dictate to us our faith. And that's when you know you've got it the wrong way around. And if you start to lower the bar and decrease your expectancy because your faith is starting to get lower and lower based on what you're going through, you just won't even ask anymore. And when you don't ask, God doesn't answer because you never ask the question. You get caught in the cycle and you're going back and back and around and around. I don't know what circumstances you're in right now. It's funny because sometimes you can go through a, a season where you just feel like you're failing, like you're not doing well. You know, at one point your faith was so high and you were asking God for so much, but you go through a season of personal failure and now you just ask God for less. You can go through a season of self-doubt and now you just don't expect that God can even really answer your prayers. Your expectation is getting lower and lower. Sometimes, you know, our, our prayers change because to be honest, we're mentally exhausted and we just ask for less. And I'm telling you, I don't think that's the way that God wants us to live our lives, to just aim lower and lower. And as you do that, your doubt starts to speak. And doubt often will start with a phrase. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but it says, hey, what if? You ever heard that? Like, what if our marriage doesn't hold together? God, what if the business goes under? God, what if I get sick? God, what if financially we're not able to pay our bills? God, what if, what if, what if? It's like this question that can be in your heart. But you know, one of the things that I've really learned is that faith and fears or faith and doubts, they both entertain possibilities. See, faith and fear, they both ask the same question. Faith and fear can both start with what if. Like God, what if you are able to put this marriage back together. God, what if you're able to pull this business together and make it wildly successful? What if we're able to get back after the season that we're in and everything comes back together? God, what if you keep us all healthy? God, what if you make us financially vibrant in the season that we're in? What if after this past failure, we start to go north and we go better and better? See, faith and fear can both have a what if question and these things completely revolve around your expectancy because that's what faith really is. It's about what you expect. Sometimes it's what we expect God to do, what we expect God to say, but it's all about expectancy. And the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote this brilliant chapter in the book of Hebrews on faith. In fact, it's one of the most famous passages of Scripture. And I want to read it to you when it comes out of Hebrews 11 chapter 1. And Paul, the apostle, who I think read, wrote this, he says in verse one, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. 
And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Why is it that some people have faith and other people don't? Why is that? Why do some people believe and others, they just don't? You've talked about it, you've explained it, but they, they don't believe. And if you were to look at the original language and you were to read this in its original language, the word for faith in, in the Greek is this word pistis. And even as I say that, I feel like I just said something in church that maybe I shouldn't have said, but that's what it is. It's the word pistis. And pistis means persuasion. That's what the word really means. In other words, people that have faith have been persuaded. If you're a person that believes in God right now, at some point in your life, you have been persuaded to believe. And I thought that was interesting. And I started to think, well, then who did the persuading? Who's the one that persuades people about this message? You know, when I was younger, I used to talk to a lot of people about God and I guess I still do, but I used to speak to people and I wanted to convince them that this message was real, that it was good. I guess I really wanted them to believe and come on, why wouldn't I want people to know this message? I think this is the most encouraging and an uplifting message the world has ever heard. And, and here's one thing that I've recognized is that people that don't know anything about God and they have no relationship with Him, they don't understand what this message is all about. People that don't go to church, they feel like God exists solely to judge them. They don't understand that the message of the gospel is really that God loves them that He loved them so much that He sent His only Son, that Jesus would pay the penalty for all of our mistakes. And if we by faith believe that what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago would pay the penalty for all of the mistakes we make today and all of the mistakes we're gonna make tomorrow, and that we enter into a relationship with God by grace through faith in what Jesus did. I mean, if they knew that message, you know what I think? I think the churches would be packed on Sundays. I think that the world, all around the world, churches would be filled if they believed that this message was true, that God really existed, that He really loved them. If they understood for just a moment that God never sent Jesus into the world to condemn it, but in order that it would be saved by Him. That's why Jesus came. He came to save the world. And I, I think that that is the most encouraging and uplifting message a person could ever hear. So yeah, absolutely. Every chance that I get, I want to share that message with the world. And I used to get into conversations with people and I try to explain how it's real and explain how it's true. And, and I guess in some sense, I wanted to convince them 
And then I realized, you know, I can't really convince people of this message. Because good as I am in that moment, if I'm able to convince them that this is real, well, maybe moments after I have that conversation, someone else comes along and has a conversation with them and convinces them that everything that I said, it's not real. But somewhere in the middle of all of this, between people hearing this message, some people are convinced some people are persuaded and some people are not. So, so it's not me that does the convincing. Man, you know, I've realized that my job is simply to do the presentation, but the one that does the persuading is God. He's the one that persuades. And in fact, people that believe this message have been divinely persuaded by God that this is truth and it's real. I mean, even Jesus said in John 6, 44, that for anybody to come to me, talking of himself, he says, for anybody to come to me, they have to realize that first the Father has drawn them in. It's actually the Father that does the drawing. He draws people in. And so, hey, call it convincing, call it divine persuasion. You can call it whatever you want. But the moment when people cross the line for, from, I'm not sure or I don't believe, and suddenly they cross the line and now all of a sudden they just believe, and they're just assured and they're completely convinced. It wasn't a thing that happened from one person to another. It was a thing that happened in the spirit realm. It was invisible what we see there. We just see people respond, but what was really going on in that moment is that God was revealing who He was and all of a sudden, suddenly people believe. They just believe they've been persuaded by God that He's real. And if you read the Scriptures and read what Paul the Apostle wrote, what did he say? He said, you know, God has revealed Himself. He does it on a one-on-one -on -one basis. But more than that, it says that He revealed Himself in creation. He says, come on, look around. You don't actually think that there was nothing and all of a sudden something exploded and made something out of nothing. No, that doesn't make sense. The Bible says that God created the universe out of the things that were not made. It was suddenly, it came and it came as a result of God speaking. And I think that's remarkable. Honestly, I'm blown away by it. The expanse of the universe and, and the magnitude of it and how big it is. And we don't even really know where space ends. It just goes on conceivably forever. I, if you start to think about that, it starts to drive you crazy because you just don't know where it ends because we only think in time and space. But come on, like you go out there at night and you look up into the night sky and you see all of the stars and you see the magnitude of it. And there are things in space that we will never even see. Things that we don't know about. And it exists solely to glorify God. He doesn't even need us to see it and marvel for it to exist and glorify Him. You know, there's a, a phrase, ex nihilio. It means that God created out of nothing. And He's kind of displayed the fact that He exists by revealing Himself in creation. But that's not where it ends. I mean, if you become a person of faith, if you start to believe this message, it's not like you're out there on your own. If you become a person of faith, 
You join not just all of the, the millions of people that are on the planet right now that believe in this God that I'm talking about, but you join the people of history and millions of people over time in history who have had encounters with God, have written down by inspiration of the Spirit their experiences. And we put all of those experiences together and it becomes the Bible. And so you're not on your own. I mean, you join millions and millions of people who have experienced the spiritual reality of having a relationship with God. You're, you're not alone by a long shot. And there have been millions of people who have been divinely persuaded to believe that God exists. And, and, and we are here joining with not just the people in this age, but all the people of history. In fact, Paul begins to write down some of their names. Paul writes down a few people, Cain and Abel, and if you don't know the story, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. And so here they are, like the second generation of humans. And they come and they want to bring a gift to God. They want to bring a sacrifice to God. And it says that God regarded Abel's sacrifice and his offering, but Cain's he rejected. And you know, I think about that and I think, well, to be honest, I feel like it's a little bit unfair for Cain because how, how are they supposed to know what the right gift was to bring? When would they even know that? How would they understand? I feel like if they understood what was the right gift to bring, they could have just given it. And I feel like if they knew what they were supposed to bring, it would have been written down. So I guess in some sense, they're just supposed to bring what they think is right and hope that God likes it. And then he rejects Cain's. I, I've read this story many times and I think, what's really going on here? And then it occurred to me. See, Abel looked after sheep. He looked after the flocks and the herds. And, and Cain was a man that toiled the ground. And so Abel comes and he brings the first of his flock and he brings it and gives it to God and Cain brings some of his fruits and, and, and he gives it to God. And, and I'm like, why did God choose one over the other, you know? And I think it's got not so much everything to do with maybe what was brought, but maybe what it really was, was the attitude with which it was brought. That's the whole thing. That's what we don't see. In fact, when Cain brought his gift, I, I, I wonder if he thought this'll do, like it's enough and that's why it wasn't regarded. And Abel, he, he brought, you know, the first of his flock to bring as a sacrifice to God. And I don't know, if, have you ever given a gift to somebody except you become a recipient of what I think is sometimes the greatest gift because you're just watching people unwrap it. It's like we give gifts to our kids at Christmas time and, and you're just watching and you can't wait till they unwrap it and they're, and they're pulling the paper back and you're like, oh man, you, you're just gonna love this. I can't wait till you see what I brought you. And I wonder if when Abel brought his gift, he was like, man, oh man, God's just gonna love this. God is gonna love this sheep. He's going to love this. Oh, I can't wait till I bring it. God, here it is. And he gives it to him. And, and he's like, you were going to love this. Wait for it. Here it is. And God said, oh, Abel, I love that you brought it. Because in faith in your heart, you were like, you thought I would love this. And that's why you gave it to me. And Cain, what did you bring? Cain's like, well, I, well, I got you some fruit. And he's like, well, 
thank you. I mean, I guess it's the thought that counts, okay? You know, except the thought wasn't really even there. Maybe that was the whole issue. And I think the thing that we don't see, the thing that we don't necessarily read as we read that story is that one brought a gift out of faith and one brought one because they thought it was necessary. Man, do you get that? Do you understand why some things on the surface can look the same, but there is a whole spiritual thing that's happening behind the scenes. And that spiritual thing is called faith. He moves on from Cain and Abel and he says, look at Enoch, look at Enoch. Enoch is this person who's walking on the earth with God. And then it says that he was no more. What does that mean? Well, it means, you know, like he just like beamed me up Scotty. Like he was here one minute and just, just sucked him up. Like he was, he was gone after that. He was, he was just beamed up into heaven. It says that he didn't even taste death. I've pretty much told you everything that we know about Enoch. We don't know a lot about Enoch, except that twice in the book of Genesis, it says that he walked with God. And then when we read Hebrews, it says he pleased God. And it occurred to me at that moment that to walk with God is to please Him. See, that's what God wants. He wants to walk with us through life. Do you, do you understand how incredibly relational this God is that we serve? He just wants relationship. He just wants to walk with people. And there are too many people that start the journey, but they just walk off on God. And it's not like He'll never leave you because come on, we know the Scriptures. Jesus said, hey, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But you know what I mean when I say people just walk off on God sometimes because they say, God, I know you wouldn't go this direction, but I'm just gonna go off and do my own thing. You know, that's what it means to just walk off on God. What He really wants it's for us to walk with Him. And imagine if that's what it was like to just walk with Him every day, to just have the counsel of the Spirit of God in your ear. Doesn't matter what you're doing, doesn't matter what you're going through. It's just you and God walking together through life, experiencing life together. This is the kind of relationship that God wants with His people. See, one of the things that I've understood about faith is that it's not just a process. Faith is not just a formula. It's not just, I do this and then God should be okay with it. And I just pray four times a day because that's what's expected of me. That's, that's, that's just formulaic and that's not what God wants with us at all. In fact, if, if you were to approach God with this idea that faith is just a formula or it's simply just an arduous process that we book in or we schedule it in our days. I, I got to tell you, that's not what God wants. That's religion. And, and God doesn't want religion in any sense. What God came was to bring relationship. And, and the relationship that I want with God is not the kind of relationship where it's just arduous I want the kind of relationship, I have to have that kind of faith with God, which is when sometimes I pray to Him and I ask Him for things and genuinely He just says, no. I mean, I need God to say no to me sometimes. And maybe that's the crux of faith. Maybe that's the, the difficulty right there is that there have been so many people the world over who have gone to God and they've prayed and they've asked and He said no. And they said, I'm walking off at this point. Because if you're not going to do what I ask you to do, or you're not going to do what I ask you or, or, or what I pray for, well, then I, I don't know if I want that kind of relationship. And I'm like, stop. You can't possibly mean that. 
you can't possibly think for a moment that the best kind of relationship is with a God that does everything that you say. See, I, I've grown to the point where I realized that I ask God for things that I shouldn't have. I've requested things that I'm not ready for. I've asked for breakthrough, but He wants to lead me in another direction. I have been through moments with God where I've asked Him and I have prayed and I thought I knew best and the answer was no. And I have felt being crushed by the disappointment of His no. And I've gone to Him on occasion and said, I think this is right. And He leads me in another direction. And come on, all of us, sometimes when we pray, don't we look for shortcuts in our faith? Like, I don't want to have to work through the process. Just give me the power encounter moment and take me from here to there. And that's what I really want. And God says, no, because the, the process will develop you into the person I want you to become. I've learned that my goals and God's goals, they're different. And because they're different, He takes me on a separate path. And I've learned to be okay when God says no. And I wonder if as many people would struggle in their relationship with God if they just realized that no is sometimes a perfectly acceptable answer. And the more you walk with Him and the more that you trust Him and the more that you believe in Him, the more you recognize that He's even being good to you, even when the answer is not what you want. So what does Paul say? He says, come on, the faith that I'm talking about, this thing, this relational dynamic with God, he says, without this faith. He says, it's impossible to please Him. It makes sense to me. Of course, it's impossible to please Him. If you didn't have faith to believe that God existed, you would never go to Him and you would never ask Him for anything and you would never expect that He would even answer. So to have any sense of relationship with God Firstly, you must be persuaded by God that He even exists. And now with that settled, you go to Him and your expectations begin to form. And I think that that's faith. That's faith. That's what it is to believe that God exists. And not just to believe that He exists, but also to believe that He responds, that He has a relationship with you. In this case, seeing is not believing. You ever heard that? Like seeing is believing. Well, not when it comes to faith. No, because come on, like when it comes to faith, it's different. Seeing is not believing. Here's something that Paul said. The Apostle Paul, he said, Now hope that is seen, it's not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? Once we've seen it, we don't have to hope for it because we already have seen it. He says, no, 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 no. When it comes to faith, we put our hope in what we haven't sometimes seen. Why? Because we're people that walk by faith and not by sight. And when you walk by faith, you see spiritually what you can't see physically. And that's what it's about. And he says, you know what? We've, we even carry this conviction that we, we carry this conviction that what we haven't seen in the physical and yet we do see by faith that those things will come to pass. That's what it means to have faith and see. I think that there's a link between what you see, what you hope for, and what you have faith in. And here's what God is really saying. Stop looking at what you see. Start looking at me. Stop looking at what you see. 
and start looking at me. Because if the level of your faith is dictated by what you see and you don't have the faith to see spiritually anything beyond what you see physically, what would you pray for? What would you hope for? What would you ask for? Man, this is an incredible story in the Bible out of 2 Kings about someone who has to see with their spiritual eyes and believe in their heart. And I just want to read it to you today because I think it's an amazing story. It's 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 17. Let me just read it. It'll make so much sense to you when I read it. It says in verse 8, Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. If you've lost what's happening already, here it is. The king of Syria is warring against Israel. And he makes these plans to go camp in certain places against Israel. But there's a man in Israel, he's a prophet. And the prophet keeps telling the king of Israel where the king of Syria and where the Syrians are going to be. So they always move into a better spot. And it's driving the king of Syria crazy. It says in verse 11 that the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, who was the prophet, rose early in the morning and went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, I dare you to use the word alas. Another word I've never used in my life. I dare you to just use it once. The next time something troubles you, just say, alas. He says, alas, my master, what shall we do? What shall we do? We're surrounded. And he said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I, I wonder if at this point, the servant of the man of God, I wonder if he said, that's it. He's lost his mind. I don't know if you've understood this, Elisha, but when we go outside and have a look around, you're going to see an army that's completely surrounded us. How could you possibly think that there are more with us than there are against us? Like, I know there's other people living in the city, but come on, I think when the battle starts, they're just going to get out of the way. So let me just do a recount for you, Elisha. There's two of us and an army of them. I think you have to face reality, Elisha. But then Elisha prayed and he said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. 
And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can you imagine that situation? There is the servant of Elisha. And he's seeing the fact that he's surrounded by horses and chariots. And in a moment, spiritually speaking, his eyes become open and he suddenly realizes that God is with him. And I think it did something deep in him. I think it did something deep in him because he suddenly realized in that moment that he didn't need to be full of fear and he didn't need to be afraid. And his circumstances hasn't really changed. It's just that now he can see something that he couldn't see before. See the gap for the servant, the gap between fear and faith was the fact that his eyes were spiritually opened and suddenly he could see what he could never see before. And it changed everything he felt about the circumstance that he was in. And you know, so much of the spiritual realm that we're in, so much of it is invisible. So much of it we cannot see. And here he is with the eyes opened and he sees by faith what he could never see before. Elisha's servant is freaking out until he suddenly realizes that he is surrounded by God. I reckon until that moment, he felt like they were alone. Sometimes, you know, that's what it feels like. We feel like we're alone. We feel like, God, where are you? I'm surrounded. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to make it through. I don't know how to make it through today. That's how we feel sometimes. But if you could see with eyes today that saw into that spirit realm. I wonder if you could see by faith today, you would see that you are surrounded by God. If you could see with eyes of faith today and you would know that God was with you and you would see Him as He is. And if you for just a moment could catch His magnificence and His glory and His limitless power, He spoke and created the universe, things we'll never ever see. And if you could just catch a glimpse of who God really is, I wonder if it would change your countenance. I wonder if it would change how you feel about your life right now. If you knew that the God who created the universe was right there with you and that there was nothing that could happen on planet Earth without His approval, I wonder if it would change how you prayed. If you knew that everywhere you went, that God was with you. And if your eyes could just see what I'm talking about today, it would fill you with this kind of faith that would say anything's impossible and it is. And you would be full of peace and you can be. And there would be this grace on your life that no matter what you face, it's gonna be okay. Why? Because that God is with you. You ever see people with incredible faith that are unnervingly peaceful in a time of crisis, it's because they see and they trust and they know that God is with them. And it just changes everything about your life. It changes your prayers. You, you don't pray to God based on what you're surrounded by. You pray to God based on who He is. And I feel like we got to stop praying small prayers to a small God 
and start seeing Him as He is and praying to Him based on His limitless power, significance, His glory, His majesty. We've got to see Him and we pray out of that. I don't know what you feel surrounded by today, but I tell you this, I feel like God wants to lift the level of your faith by simply allowing you to see, even now, no matter where you are, where you're watching this, or when you're watching this, you gotta know that God is right with you. And you start to pray prayers of faith out of that place, and then God can answer. Because remember, he, he doesn't answer the prayers you don't pray. So don't let your season dictate to you what you should be asking God for today. Man, He's with you. He can do anything and He can do everything. So I, I don't know what you're surrounded by today, but I wanna pray for you that whatever you feel outmatched by, however you feel surrounded today, that you would have in this moment right now, this overwhelming understanding that God is surrounding you. And it's gonna start to shift your prayers. I'm gonna pray for you right now that God begins to open your eyes. And maybe, maybe some of you for the first time, you're gonna look at your experience, your season, your marriage, your business, your health, your financial position, your past failures, the present tensions. You look at all of that and you realize that God is with you and it's gonna change the way you see everything. Let me pray for you right now. If this is you and you say, I just wanna be included in this prayer, right now, wherever you are, however you're listening to this message, why don't you do this? Just place your hand on your heart and say, God, I want something to happen in this moment. I want you to open my eyes spiritually. Father God, I pray for every person with a hand on their heart right now that says, God, I need to see spiritually. I wanna see my circumstances differently. I wanna look by faith and not by sight. I'm not gonna pray safe prayers because they're easier for you to answer, God. I wanna pray the biggest prayers I've ever prayed in my life because I'm not gonna allow what I'm surrounded by to dictate to me the level of faith that I should have in this moment. I pray, God, in this moment that for everybody who says this is for me, that, God, you begin to open their eyes spiritually. I pray, God, that right now people would start to look at their business with faith again, that they'd look at their marriage with faith again, that they'd look at their current financial position and they believe by faith, but add practical stewardship to that as well, God. And, and I pray, God, that they can believe and confess and live and walk with you. And as they look at whatever they're surrounded by, I pray, God, right now they would see that they are surrounded by you. Fill them with peace. Let them see that anything is possible when they have you with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.